We exist to reach the generations with the hope of Jesus Christ because we just believe that Jesus holds the key to life, that through Jesus, people can discover him and this journey of what God has for us. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So welcome to Crossing. So glad that you came here. There's one more thing that's in this crate. I don't know if you will recognize this or not. This is a VHS tape. Some of you have no idea. You've never seen this before. We hate you. The rest of you, we know well what this is. I rented my first VHS tape from Blockbuster Video. Blockbuster Video started about 30 years ago, and it became one of the most powerful entertainment companies in the world. And they had this pretty simple concept. That before you had to wait for the movies as they left the theater to come on TV and hope that you could kind of catch it on the right night, for the first time, now you could watch TVs in your home on your own schedule. I remember the first time that we rented movies. I didn't even own a VCR because back then VCRs cost about $1,000. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Because you can buy one for $9.99, you know, just about anywhere. But back in the day, you would, you would rent the VCR, and then you would rent the VHS tape and take it home. And when DVDs were introduced, Blockbuster was on the cutting edge, that they were responsible for a significant volume of all the DVD sales. In fact, when a movie left the theater, they could make or break a movie, whether they would buy it or not. Well, as Blockbuster began to grow, they started buying up all of the smaller competitors that were, that were around. And at the height of Blockbuster, they employed 60,000 employees and had 9,000 stores. If you remember Blockbuster, the thing that got you was the late fees. We had this process in our family. Maybe you did the same in your family. When we rented a movie, we would put the case on our kitchen counter, and then we let the kids take the DVD to whatever TV they wanted to watch it at because I had paid enough late fees, and I got tired of paying late fees, and I hated that. In 1997, there was a guy by the name of Reed Hastings who rented Apollo 13, and then he returned it late, and he had a $40 late fee. Well, it was that experience that motivated him to change the way that people would watch movies forever. And he started this little company called Netflix. Well, in the year 2000, Blockbuster had the opportunity to buy Netflix for $50 million, but they passed it up because they didn't think that Netflix was any kind of competition to this great, big, powerful media company that they had become. Well, last year, Blockbuster closed the last of their 9,000 stores, and they laid off the last of their 60,000 employees because they missed the turn. Here's what keeps me up at night. What keeps me up at night is not where I'm going to rent a movie so I can watch Captain America or Shawshank Redemption. It's not what keeps me up at night. What keeps me up at night is this church Wondering if we miss the turn as a church, what's at stake as someone's eternity? If we miss the turn as a church, what's at stake is that people will not find the hope of Jesus Christ in their life. And today I want to talk to you about our church. And I want to share with you a deeper and wider vision for the crossing. I want to share with you where we're going, and I want to commission you as partners on that journey that we're in this together. This isn't about about us. This is about us. 
that we're in this journey together, and I want to commission you as partners as part of this journey. And to set the stage, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 16. Let me give you a little bit of background because Jesus, Jesus predicted a new movement. And what happens in Matthew chapter 16 is he's walking with his disciples, and they're about 150 miles north of Jerusalem. They're outside of a city called Caesarea Philippi. Now, it used to be this thriving city. You can see the remains here. This is what it looks like today. But in Jesus' day, this was a powerful, thriving city. And about the time that Jesus was getting his learner's permit, the city was renamed to Caesarea to honor Caesar Augustus. And Jesus and his disciples, they were walking up to this city. And maybe they were talking about the city. Maybe they were talking about how a few years before it had been renamed to honor Caesar Augustus, who was the first Roman emperor. And maybe they were talking about how he was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar was considered a deity by the Roman people. They called him a god. So when Caesar Augustus came along as his son, they called him the son of a god. They called Caesar Augustus the son of a god. And so picture with me as Jesus and his disciples are walking to the city, and maybe they're talking about it. And in the city was these great big Greek temples where they worshiped the Greek god Pan. And maybe they were talking about how he considered himself, all the people considered him to be a son of a god. And then Jesus turns to them and he asks this famous question in Matthew 16, verse 13. He says, who do people say that I am? So we all know who they think that Caesar Augustus was. Who do people think that I am? And they replied, well, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. The Jews did not believe in reincarnation, but what they did believe in is they believed that departed souls might empower living men to continue their work. And so A lot of people had this talk that all of these powerful prophets of old, that maybe their spirits were empowering Jesus because Jesus was so powerful. Well, now comes the real question. And Jesus says, but what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? And this is the only question that really matters. This is a question that every one of us in this room are going to have to answer. Who do you say that he is? Jesus asked them, who do you think that I am? And Simon Peter answered, he says, you are the Messiah or Christ. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. That Augustus is the son of a dead God, but you are the son of the living God. And Jesus says, bingo, you got it. You know it. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus uses a play of wor- on words here, because Peter's name meant rock. And so Jesus is saying, you are rock, and on this rock I'm going to build my church. On this declaration that you've just made, that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, on that declaration, I'm going to build my church. This word church, it's the Greek word ekklesia. And what ekklesia is, it's just a gathering. This word that Jesus used, it just means an assembly, a gathering, a congregation. 
See, when Jesus came along, he did not announce a sacred place. Jesus announced a sacred people, a movement of people who would come together. But when the Bible was translated into English, they translated this Greek word, ekklesia, into church. It's a German word that means house of the Lord. And so most people today think that the church is a place. I mean, we even refer to that all the time. I mean, I do myself. Well, we're going to go to church. Some of you are late to church. You're late to church. Come on, we got to get to church because we got to get to this place. We think of it as a place. But Jesus did not come to establish a place. Jesus came to establish a movement of people. Here's how he ends this interaction. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Jesus says, I am giving you the keys to the kingdom. Do you remember the first time your parents gave you the keys to the car? It's pretty awesome. It wasn't your car. But they gave you the keys to the car for the first time. It meant freedom for you. It meant that that key could unlock that door and it could take you wherever you wanted to go. The preaching of the gospel, as Peter and the other disciples take the gospel, the gospel begins to open up the door first for Jewish believers to find faith in Jesus and then for Gentile believers to come to Christ. So let me just ask you to ponder this question. What if every follower of Christ was given a key and it could open up the door for those who are far from Christ and give them an opportunity to grow deeper in their faith? I want you to take out these keys that were given to you when you came in. I want you to pull it out. Just hold it here for just a minute. What if this key that you were given represented the keys to the kingdom? And now you have the opportunity to open up the door for someone who is far from God. What if the key that you're holding right now had the opportunity to open up the door of heaven? I'm not talking about some secret code, some mysterious thing. It's the gospel. That what if you hold the key to unlocking heaven for somebody? to unlocking the door for people to discover Jesus and this journey that God wants to take them on, what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Because the church, it's not about a building. It is not a location. It's not even a style of worship. The church is a movement of people. So let me ask you some questions. And some of these are going to make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. Are we moving or are we simply meeting? Are we making a measurable difference in our local communities or simply conducting services? Are we organized around a mission or are we organized around a model that kind of meets our needs and makes us happy? Are we allocating resources as if Jesus is the hope of the world or do we just try to allocate resources to make sure the squeaky wheels don't cause too much noise? Sometimes I'll get the question, is this church deep? Or is it just about, about being wide? You know, is this church deep? A lot of people ask that. First time they meet me out in the lobby, and they'll go, okay, I want to know about this church. I want to know, is this church deep, or are you guys just wide? Well, you know what? We better be both. We better be both, because if we only care about being deep, and we don't care about those who are far from Jesus, then how can we say that the love of God is in us? But if we only care about being wide, 
and don't have a passion for those to become more like Jesus, then we have missed our plan that he has for our life. So today I want to give you this deeper, wider vision for the crossing. And we're going to start off by talking about a deeper vision. See, here's what what most of us have in common. The reason that you're here is you want to grow in your faith. That you want to take that next step with Christ. Some of you, you've showed up here and you're investigating Christianity. You're trying to see if this place is a relevant place for you. This is why we're all here. If that's you that I just described, that's why we're all here. Every one of us are here because we want to grow in our relationship with Christ. We want to find out what that next step is for us. Last week, I was with a guy by the name of Randy Frazee. You may not know that name, but you'll probably know some of the things that he's been a part of. Randy is the, the lead pastor of Oak Hills Church in San Antonio, Texas. But he's the one who put together the story. The storybook that we went through this last year where we went through the entire Bible, he is the one who compiled that and put that all together. He used to be a pastor on staff with Willow Creek Community Church. And when he was there, he did research, one of the most extensive research projects that had ever been done, to find out what causes spiritual growth in Christians. And they surveyed 500,000 people from across the country, and they made some incredible discoveries about spiritual growth. The first discovery that they made is that church attendance is not an indicator of spiritual growth. This makes some of you feel a lot better because you weren't in church last week. (laughs) Church attendance is not an indicator of spiritual growth. While this is an important part of our journey, it's an important time for us to come together and we get encouragement and we encourage one another. This is not an indicator of spiritual growth. Isn't it true that you know certain people who never miss church? I mean, they are always in church, but they are the most dishonest, greedy, hateful people that you've ever met. And frankly, they're the ones, they're the ones that make Christians look bad. You're like, just stop telling people you're a Christian because you're making us all look bad. And on the other hand, there's some people you know are not always in church, but they are the most Christ-like people that you've ever met. See, church attendance alone does not indicate spiritual growth. Here was discovery number two that they made, that the number one indicator of spiritual growth is Bible engagements. The number one indicator of whether you are growing spiritually or not Is if you are engaged in your Bible. It doesn't matter whether you're a new Christian, whether you're a growing Christian, or a mature Christian. If you feel like you are not growing spiritually, it may be because you are not engaged in the Word of God in your life because this is the number one indicator of spiritual growth. Well, here's a third discovery they made, is that people want to understand the Bible. That people want to understand the Bible, and this is why I'm committed It's why I'm committed my life to just teaching the Bible in a simple way. Why you're going to come here every single week and we're going to open up God's word. And we're going to talk about what God's word says to us. Because I just believe that God's word changes lives. I believe that when you begin to put God's word in your life, it will change you. It will transform you. It will make you more like Jesus. You'll be more like Jesus today than you were a year ago. And while the weekend services are important... If you want to go deeper, the greatest opportunity for us to go deeper happens outside of the weekend services. So when you think about the crossing, so how big is the crossing? Have you you ever thought about that? Well, let me give you a number here. This number 
of how big the crossing is, 8,900 people. Okay, how did I come up with that number? Well, that's the number of people that we had here on Easter, 8,900 people. The reality is, is we probably have more people as part of our church community than that, that when they go to church, they come to the crossing. It's probably closer to twelve to 15,000, but for our sake right now, 8,900 people. We have 1,400 people who are part of small groups here at the crossing. Now, when you add people who also serve, because we have some people who serve and part of a small group, some people who just serve, they're not part of a small group. When you add those together, that's 1,800 people are serving or in a small group here at the crossing. Now, this gap right here, this gap right here is the greatest potential we have for spiritual growth. This right here is the greatest potential that we have as a church to go to the next level in our spiritual growth as a community. And so I want to give you two steps that we want to, we want to be part of the crossing to help us to go deeper. Step number one is what we're calling transformed. Transformed. That we are launching a series in September called Transform. And you're like, okay, you're starting it in September. Why are you talking about it now? Because I want you to begin to put this into your mind of what you're going to be a part of, because this is going to be the opportunity for us to see more transformed lives than ever before in the history of the crossing. It's going to focus on growing us emotionally, relationally, physically, financially, at work, at home, to grow us spiritually in all of those areas, that we're going to help you have a daily time with God, that we'll have study books all of that. Here's our goal. Our goal is that 3,500 people would be part of a transformed small group. 3,500 people. That's the goal of what we have. It's an eight-week commitment. It's an eight-week study that we're going to go through that we want to see more transformed lives in our community than ever before. And in addition to that, we're going to have a men's conference as a women's conference as part of this. In October, we're going to have a men's conference. Guys, our goal is to have 500 guys. We have already have Mike Bro and Carlos Whitaker coming to speak. Carlos is going to lead us in worship. It is going to be an amazing time. Our women are going to have a conference as well. And our goal is to have 3,500 people in a group. And we have a group for everyone. If you want in a group, we have a group for you. And some of you, you want to be part of a group, but you don't want to be part of a group here because you don't know if you can trust anybody here. For you, we want you to host a group with a couple of your friends. You can host a group with a couple of your friends. Maybe they don't even go to the crossing to just be a part of this. Step number two in our deeper vision here at the crossing is what we're calling Rooted. That we're launching a brand new discipleship strategy called Rooted. Rooted is a 10-week experience to help you go deeper in your relationship with God. I'm going to tell you right now, it's not for everybody. It is specifically designed for those who are leaders here at the crossing. It's specifically designed if you're leading a group or you've been part of a group for a year or two or three or four. And it's time for you to go deeper. We want, we want you to be a part of this. And we're going to talk about how does God speak to us. How do we overcome these spiritual battles? How and why do we tell other people about Christ in our life? And both of these experiences are going to start this fall. And we'll tell you more how you can be a part of this. But here's what I want to ask you. As you begin to, to hold that key, 
is that you make a commitment right now to say that this is going to open up the door in your life to go deeper in Christ this year. That you're going to make a commitment today to say, I'm going to go deeper in my relationship with Jesus this year, but I'm going to ask you to do something further than that besides making a commitment, is that you tell somebody. That sometime today you tell one of your friends the commitment that you've made. Because if you tell somebody about it, you are more apt to follow through than if you just keep it to yourself. Not only do we want to go deeper as a church, we want to get wider as well. So I want to share with you our wider vision. Forbes magazine named Las Vegas the most stressful city in America to live in. That's our city. That we live in a city that is this 24-7 culture and a crazy work week that that you may have, and everything else that's going on, that we are a city on edge, and you didn't need me to tell you that for, for you to know that that's true. Beyond that, last year, the Barna Institute did a survey of America's top churchless cities. Now, they define churchless cities as this, as people who have not been in church for six months or more. That number of people, that percentage of people who have not been in church six months or more. Look at this chart. San Francisco's number one, the most unchurched city in the United States. Burlington, Vermont, Boston, Massachusetts, number two and three. Las Vegas is number six. We are the sixth most unchurched city in the United States. In addition to that, we came in number six as the least Bible-minded cities in the nation. Now, you probably thought we were number one because it feels like we're number one. We're not number one, but we are number six of the most, the least Bible-minded city in the U.S. And as I share this, for some of you, this just depresses you about our city. But I think this presents the greatest opportunity of our lifetime. This is what brought me and my family here 22 years ago because of this. This is the reason that we chose to raise our kids in this city. This is the reason that we chose to stay here, and we will choose to stay here, is because what we believe can happen in our city. We just believe that the church is the hope of the world, and that the church is the hope of our city. And we are passionate about going wider, because we believe, we believe that everyone who does not know Jesus is facing a Christless eternity, and that is what gets us up in the morning. What our wider vision encompasses three things, three M's. It's multi-site, microsites, and Mexico. That's our, it's our three M strategy to go wider. Number one, it's multi-site. That we have a vision for our first regional campus in the southwest part of Las Vegas. That when we started the crossing, our vision was never about being a large church. We didn't care about that. Our vision was about reaching Las Vegas for Jesus Christ, to impact our valley with the hope and the healing of Jesus. And we know that there are people who are never going to step onto our campus, and instead of expecting everybody else to come to us, we're going to go to them. And so our plan is to start our first regional campus at the beginning of 2017. This is because of your generosity through our Beyond campaign that we have the seed money now to launch this first regional campus. While some of you don't mind driving 25, 30 minutes to come to church, you'll never be able to invite your friends because they won't come. 
We're already beginning to meet with principals in schools about where we're going to land in that region. We had a meeting this last week about one principal that is so excited about the possibility of us coming and being at their school that they would said, we'll just roll out the red carpet for you, whatever you need. I think there's three groups that might be interested in being part of this regional campus. Number one are those who live in that area. If you live in the southeast part of Valley, West Henderson area, you might be interested in this. Number two, for those of you who love the crossing but would prefer a more intimate setting. And then the third group is for those of you who have an entrepreneurial mindset. You just love to be part of new things. You just love to start things. This might be the perfect place for you. And we're going to have two interest meetings this week because we want to see what kind of interest so we can move forward with that. Our first interest meeting is tonight at 5 o'clock right here in the auditorium. Just show up here at 5 o'clock. The second one is Tuesday at 7 o'clock, same place, come right here. Because we want to begin to gather who might be interested in going to help be the core of that. Also in your connection card, if you can't come tonight or Tuesday, just write in your connection card. Write Southeast Campus and go and give it to somebody out in the lobby. Put your name on it too. We don't need a bunch of blank cards to say Southeast Campus. But put your name on it and we'll put you part of that as well. Number two, number two is what we're calling microsites. Microsites. You go, okay, so what's a microsite? Well, a microsite is a group of 20 or 30 people who love the mission and the vision of the crossing. And they gather in a house or community center and they watch the services and then they're engaged in what God is doing in their community. They're engaged in that community. So think of Uber for the church. How many of you have ever done an Uber before? Okay, I'm kind of scared to do it. I've not done it yet. I need to do it. So one of you Uber drivers, take me out later for free and just show me how this whole thing works. (laughs) But Uber is the largest taxi service in the world, yet they do not own any taxis. The genius of Uber is that they provide the platform, but those who are involved use their own cars. Now think about the church, that when a church grows like we have grown, it takes millions of dollars to build buildings, and we'll continue to do that. But let me paint a picture for you. Let's suppose that that you live in a senior's community, or you're an airman at Nellis Air Force Base. Or you live in Boulder City and you can't stop telling people about the church. Or you live in downtown and you have a bunch of friends who want to grow in Jesus, but you could never get them to our campus. But they'll come to your house. They would come to your house and they would be part of watching the services there and being engaged there at the service at your house. Maybe you watch online on Sunday. Maybe you didn't know this. We have between seven and 800 people who watch online every single Sunday. That's seven to 800 connections. So there may be two or three people at each of those connections. Two weeks ago, we had 1,300 people who watched online. And so for some of you who are watching online, it's you to bring together a group of your friends that you can begin to develop a community. Others have moved out of town and can't find a church community that fits. And you've been watching online. This should be part of this church community. We're going to launch our first microsite in Michigan later this year. That we have a group of people who are part of our volunteer core team here at the Crossing and moved to Michigan. And they've just not been able to find the right kind of fit. And so they've already had an interest meeting of all their friends where they've come together. And we're going to launch our first microsite with them. And what we're going to provide is content and resources and Bible studies. 
We think that this could be one of those things that could just change the future. Here's our vision. Our vision is, is that we would have a thriving church community in every neighborhood in Las Vegas. This is the vision. The vision for us is to have a thriving church community. Can you imagine the impact that if we had these church communities in every neighborhood that not only met, but they served and engaged their neighbors? My goal is that we would have 100 microsites around Las Vegas and beyond. That we could double the size and the impact of the crossing, and it wouldn't cost us a penny. I was talking to my brother this week about microsites. He's been a pastor and a leader in churches in the Midwest, and he's just tired of church as usual in the Midwest. And I begin to tell him about today and what we're doing with the microsites, and his heart began to beat fast. He started asking me all these questions, and then he keeps calling me through the week. He says, Shane, I think I want to be a part of this. I think I want to start a microsite in Wichita. He goes, tell me how this would work. And we be, begin to talk a bit about this. As I'm talking about this, some of you, your heart is beating fast. Because you go, I think this is me. I think this is what I'm supposed to do. Well, we have a gathering for you as well. And tonight at 5 o'clock, Tuesday at 7 o'clock, you meet here in the auditorium. And we're going to talk to you about launching our microsites. If you might be interested, and we'll talk, talk to you about what all that entails and where we are right now. Here's the third thing is Mexico. Mexico. I was in Mexico this weekend. We uh, had about 45 people from the crossing. We built three houses. You can see this picture right here that our house is complete. This is part of the team that built the house that we did. This next year, our vision is we want to take 200 guys to Mexico, and we're going to build an entire neighborhood. We're going to be building 10 houses for 10 families and 10 sets of kids, and we're going to change a neighborhood in Mexico. And we want to have a couple hundred guys who are going to be part of this and are going to go with us and to do that. Here's our commitment as a church. Our commitment as a church is that we're going to go deeper. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you ought to be more like Jesus today than you were a year ago, and you should be more like Jesus a year from now than you are today. That you ought to have the fruit of the Spirit growing in your life. But it's also a commitment to go wider. Because if we don't have a passion to reach those who are facing a Christless eternity, how can the love of God be in us? And we're going to get wider. Listen, there is nothing like the church of Jesus Christ when it's working right. When the church is working right, it's reaching the unchurched neighbors and friends with amazing grace. When the church is working right, skeptics and seekers and agnostics and atheists start discovering that they really matter to God. When the church is working right, it becomes a spiritual trauma center for the broken in our community to find healing. When the church is working right, alcoholics and addicts and people who are confused and wounded find hope when the church is working right. No one stands alone. And everyone is connected in a life-giving relationship when the church is working right. Everyone is using their gifts and resources to serve our community and our world when the church is working right. Marriages are restored on a regular basis. Men and women find help. And children and students are so valued that we will give up our personal preferences so we can reach the next generation for Jesus when the church is working right. We are unleashing compassion to the poor in our city and to the most broken places around the world when the church is working right. It's breaking down racial walls that divide us. 
That we come together in one place as black and white and Asian and Latino and we serve a risen Jesus. We serve a God that brings down the walls of separation. When the church is working right, he brings together a collection of different people from different backgrounds that even Cubs fans and Cardinal fans can celebrate together in one place. God might love one more than the other, but we come in unity with Jesus Christ. When the church is working right, there is nothing like it. And Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven.